This is Sailor. Welcome to another episode of Metal Rock and Whiskey. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, hey. What's up, guys? Wow. <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> it's been a minute. <laughs> um, who are you people? I don't even know who the fuck you are anymore. Man. Hi, I'm oh. Sailor. Nice to meet you. Matt. Like- Matt, very nice to meet you. <laughs> yeah, the last time I think you were here, you had only had one kid instead of two, and... I think now so. Look yeah. at you. I kind of like feel like changes I'm, happening. I kind of feel like I'm Marty McFly walking into like 1955 Hill Valley. It's like walking around, like, who am I? Where am I? What the hell is going on? It's craziness. Yeah, yes, congratulations, yes. Matt and Jenny, on your new baby boy. Yeah. Thank you. Being thank you. Baby boy. Thank you very much. Thank you. He yes. is absolutely adorable and looks like he could be. Your first um, child's twin, Henry. Oh, my God. I've never, I, I can't remember much. ever seeing someone with two kids that looks so much alike. So much alike. Yeah. 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 And they both, and they both look like me. So, I mean, Jen's got three, of, Jen's got three of the same <laughs> walking around <laughs> or in oh, the same house. Jenny. Send yeah. Jenny booze. <laughs> I'll send her some rum, some of that new rum yeah, I got. She had, her first, she had her first beer the other night. It was kind of fun. I saw that. I was so excited for her. Yeah, so was I. I'm going to send her presents. In what the kind middle. of beer was it? It was a Blue Moon. Okay, that's a, a good starter beer. Yes. Yeah. That's a good starter beer, for sure. Mm-hmm. So have you been up to, Ed, in this long hiatus that we've had that feels like 10 years? Oh, my gosh. I've been working crazy hours. Don't even ask me about that. It's been nuts. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, yeah, right? So many people are like, oh my God, I'm so bored during this COVID. Um, And I'm like, who the fuck you? I feel like I'm working 20 times harder and more somehow. It's very strange. I don't know. Yeah, same. When you're an IT support and you have (laughs) hundreds of people working from home all of a sudden, you know, there's all kinds of interesting things that uh, come up. Oh, that's got to be fun. And Matt, you're on the front lines, making sure us oh, fine people have liquor. Yes. I mean, I've been out for about five weeks now for the baby, but I go back very soon. And yeah, Matt's, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> Matt's one of the unsung heroes. Yes. Keeping all us, our liquor shelves stocked. Yes. 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 Thank you, Matt. Thank you very much. Spreading the good that. word of whiskey to the world, just like Sailor. <laughs> yep. Yep. Well, we're and back. I'm sure to consume it. Yes. We're back, motherfuckers. We are. I'm excited. I'm very excited. I'm especially excited because we've been wanting to cover Prince for so long. We were we were just and we were like, we gotta wait, just like with Bowie, we gotta really wait until we're prepared and we're ready. And I feel like we were on part one. So if you're listening to this, 
um, go back and listen to Prince part one so that you know what's going on here. Yeah. Fun fact. We released part one in 1999. Fun fact. <laughs> <laughs> it we seems did. like it's been that long. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It, it was on uh, audio <laughs> tapes. Back then, we would mail it was on, Yes, it was. It was on reel to reel tapes. <laughs> <laughs> They've all since burned. He'll never hear it. Um, <laughs> so here we are. To we said, you know, okay, we're finally ready to make a comeback. So much has gone on, and we did a good job for two straight years or more, like barely missing a week. You guys, we were podcasting every single week. We had Nobody a good run. And I mean, we had deaths in the family and we moved across the country. We, we had crazy, just all these things happen and we still managed to stick to it. And then COVID got us in the ass, uh -huh. <laughs> but we're back, we're back. And um, we have to do our due diligence with Prince. We have to finish that up because Absolutely. it is a very important subject before we move on to what's coming next which I don't even know if we've decided yet. So tonight we're going to do the album battle and you may, there may be some of you going, Oh, how could you, how dare you even battle any of his albums against each other? And we mm. kind of felt like that too, but we're like, that's what we do. We got to do it. It's what yep. we do. So here we are. So, yeah, I tonight. feel like these two selections um, are albums that probably most everybody will know. Yes. I think that's one of the reasons why you picked these. These are probably yes. two of his most popular albums. Yeah. Everybody will know these albums. So yes. it's And also be some of his albums you just couldn't put up against other albums because he's one of those rare musicians that is like a chameleon and can do anything. Right. And some of his albums are not even in the same stratosphere as others, as far as mm -hmm. genre goes. And that's not fair. That's like saying, well, yeah. this country album against this metal album, this is better. Well, who, what? They're two different genres. I mean, so, we could have done the, yeah, we could have done the four part or four, four or five album thing. Like we did with really easy top, yeah. but we would have come down to these two albums anyway. So yeah, just, totally. you know, yeah. Yeah, cut that, was, that was a no brainer. It would be yeah. these two albums. Yeah. Exactly. Um, the other thing we should talk about is we're we're live. Well, we're not live. I mean, we're alive, but we're <laughs> we're on video. We're live. Yes. <laughs> we're recording this live. <laughs> we're recording this live on video. I keep thinking all these broadcasts I do for Uncle Nearest are always live, so I'm used to saying that. Um, so yeah, you're going to be able to watch this on our YouTube channel, and every once in a while we will do these live so that you can join us and. Uh, chat with us and hang out and tell us to fuck off or that you love us. Either one. It's fine. Um, so this is fun. I'm really liking uh, doing this on video. I think I think it's going to be really cool. So you can either listen to us in the car or on your phone or you can watch our faces. Up to you. So hopefully everyone caught our first uh, video uh, podcast that we did for the year we did a couple weeks ago with our friends Mac and Jay. That was so much fun. That was a lot of fun. And we actually need to follow up on that one as well, because yes, we, we promised if you guys have listened to that episode, we promised that we were going to play Guar for them. And we're actually because <laughs> we we, fig we figured out how to share the screen on here. So you guys are going to be able to watch their reactions. OK, this is going to be amazing. Yeah. So well, they have to watch the movie. Wait. 
Well, they're going to watch the Well, yeah, but first we want to make them just see, they don't even know what they look like. Don't you want to see their okay. reaction to that? I guess so. Yeah. Ease I them mean, into it, I guess. <laughs> I think that'd be pretty funny. Yeah, yeah. showing them the, the movie pretty first would be pretty harsh. Yeah, I think that's true. It's true. You need like, yeah, you need it. You need you got to um, build up to it. Yeah, yeah. I need to be yeah. spoon fed or whatever. Touche, <laughs> touche. All right. So I already ruined the point of Ed introducing the subject tonight. <laughs> Sorry, Ed. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> I managed to interject a little bit of explanation in there as to why we're doing what we're doing. So you did. It's good all job. good. Good job. Well, before we get into the album battle, we talk about whiskey, but before that, let's listen to some music for a second. Classic. Seriously. Awesome stuff. Got the funk. All right. Matt, take it away. All right. Well, as I always say, the show is Metal Rock and Whiskey. And just because the word whiskey is third in the title of our show does not make it the least important at all. Nope. So this is where we go around and talk about what we have in our glass leading up to the whiskey segment, which I believe Sailor has tonight. Yes, sir, I do. So we will start. Ed, what do you got in your glass, man? Oh, in my glass tonight? Let me reach around behind me. We're on video. They can see this. <laughs> Let's do the reach around. <laughs> <laughs> it beat me to it. <laughs> I, have got I, mean, I was waiting for you. Man. Brand new release. I've been anticipating highly. Uh, this is from Whiskey Acres Distilling in DeKalb, Illinois, my hometown. And uh, they're releasing their first bottled in bond. Bourbon, which is pretty exciting for any uh any craft distiller yeah very um, cool for any craft distiller absolutely yeah 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 so the everything i like about their original offering um is just amped up ratcheted up a notch or two uh first the 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 young green type of note is all but gone on here that you get on some of those you know two year or less whiskeys um there's a prominent cinnamon flavor and on the nose, I should probably start with a nose. I get a lot of like brown sugar, um, dried fruit to like, you know, raisins or figs. And in fact, I was even reminding me of a fig Newton. If you've ever had a fig Newton bar, it kind of smells yeah. like one of those. Oh yeah. And uh, maybe even a little bit of a maple syrup smell as weird mm -hmm. as that sounds. That's what you get from but, yeah. and all those nice flavors. Yeah. And then, like I said, it was you've got a nice um, cinnamon flavor because it's a hundred proof. You're fine. We're finally getting a little heat, a little more heat in there, which which I really dig. And it's got that nice. So we call it a Midwest hug since it's from Illinois going down uh, <laughs> when you swallow it. And um, yeah, a little bit of like uh, like a burnt sugar in there, too. It's just Oh man, I'm just so excited. I want to try this in like every kind of whiskey cocktail to see how it is, you know, an old so it's fashioned. It's got a lot of nice, a lot of good sweetness to it. Oh yeah. 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 Really, really enjoying this. 
So Sounds cheers. That's what I'm drinking tonight. Cheers, man. Cheers, man. What about you, Matt? What are you drinking? Well, God, I love outside the box stuff. And uh, I was actually able to find something I've been looking for in South Florida. And it is Starward. Uh, it's Australian whiskey. I have heard yes, of that. The Aussie, yes, the Aussies make whiskey. <laughs> um, this is the second one, one from Australia I've had. Actually, the first one was one called Lark. It's from Tasmania. Mm. Um, and that was very interesting, too, because they actually use Tasmanian peat. I never knew there was such a thing, but they actually do have peat is, there. Is yeah. Tasmania not... I'm trying to think what their climate is. Are they not a dry climate? I thought they were deserty. I don't know a ton about it. I don't. I don't. But I just know that they use peat from Tasmania. So I guess there might be cooler places. I don't know. Um, but Starward, great stuff from Melbourne. Uh, this one in particular is finished in red wine barrels, uh, you know, Australian red wine barrels. So obviously Australia very known for their, their wines and their, in their vineyards, but you know, with wine finished stuff, especially with bourbon, I wouldn't say American whiskey because there's some American single malts that are finished in wine barrels that are very, very good mm-hmm. but with bourbon. It doesn't really translate for me. So like your angels envies stuff like that. It's just you like the Jeffersons. You don't like he loves the Catholic. so the um yeah he did two um and I wasn't nuts about them. Mm. Just gonna say that. But the but you know with scotch and and single malts from around the world, you finish it in wine barrels. Usually it just it just translates better for me. So this one's very light. It's only eighty two proof. Kind of weird eighty two proof. Never really seen that before, yeah. but, um, you know, bursting with red fruits, strawberries, raspberries, very light, very approachable. Um, something I could sip in a 95 degree heat down here, uh, in the jungle. And, um, it's really good stuff. It's 50 bucks. If you see it, pick yeah. it up, pick it up. Oh, and That's if you're really curious, cool. um, I just looked it up. Tasmania yeah. Yeah, is four seasons is south of australia so it's it's getting down farther away from the equator to the south so it's okay, getting so you're cooler. moving away from the dry they're climate away from the dry climate. yeah, yeah exactly get, so their mean like temperature you know is in, uh, probably like the 60 degree 60s yeah. fahrenheit somewhere in yeah. there so yeah yeah so that makes sense just, now they've just got learn something new all the time yeah they've got a climate like madrid south of france central parts of italy it's pretty, but um, the the peat thing isn't. That's wow. That's really interesting. Yeah, I guess mm-hmm. you can really have peat just about anywhere if you think about it. But uh, you know, as long as you've got like the moisture Sorry. and the yeah, exactly everything else. Yeah, so. yep. yeah. We're growing peat now um, here in Washington State. Um, Westland uses it, so yes, you know, which is really amazing. So cool. Well, those are really good selections, you guys. Um, I chose something out of the box today for my pairing. Um, and I'm not going to get super poetic about it like I normally do um, because this Prince discussion gets too emotional and I'll cry. And now that we're on video, I don't want to cry on video. Like so it's video. definitely not Franzia wine then. It's not Franzia wine. Because <laughs> um, we're not talking about Weird Al Yankovicker. I don't Franzia. know. Who did I shit all over with the wine that time? Oh my God. Wasn't it Weird Al? I can't remember now. I don't remember. Well, anyway. Um, no, I'm not doing that tonight. This is serious. Um, I chose uh, Scotch whiskey. Mm. Um, an offering from Glenfiddich. 
and it is the Fire and Cane. Yes. Ooh. From 2018. Oh, Never had a chance to try that. One of my favorite Glenn, Glenn Fittics. So I'm glad you say that because we're going to have a little discussion about this. There is controversy with this bottle, which I find mm, really interesting because yep. when this came out, um, I was still a tasting specialist for them. And so, um, but then I let literally left to come out here, like right when it came out. So it's, um, 80, 86 proof. It's a hundred percent malted barley. There's no age statement on it. This is just another really fun and delicious experiment by one of my whiskey heroes, Brian Kinsman. And he's the Glenn Fittich malt master. Um, he's just a freaking blending genius. Um, so it's a peated scotch whiskey with malts matured in bourbon barrels and then finished in Latin rum casks and not just any casks. Kinsman hand selected a variety of casks from different South American countries because um, he was looking for something very, very specific. So um, as you know, Glenn Fittich does not make a peated whiskey until this and um, same with Balveni. Balveni uh, released the Peat Week, which was their first peated whiskey. And I'm going to touch on this for a minute, and then we'll talk about it after I go through the notes. Um, are they doing it to rival um, Isla whiskeys? I don't really think so, but we'll get into that. So the nose on this guy is spectacular. So it's really soft peat and lots of heather and then light toffee and graham crackers. It's like the number one thing I get from this, like dusty graham crackers and then lots of vanilla, which I don't get a lot of, I don't get vanilla often, especially if there's any peat in there because I'm very sensitive to it. So the palate is dry oak. And again, you get that soft Highland peat, um, rich, sweet toffee, and then came the fruit. And it's that typical fruit basket you get in non-peated Scotch whiskeys, so similar to Irish whiskeys. It's all those um, stone fruits. And then I got deep honey and melon in there, lots of baked apple, and then the spice came later. The finish is so long, and I and it's probably because it's peated and I'm sensitive to that, but I really like the way it ends with the soft smoke. And here's why I chose it for tonight. So I think it's sexy with soft smokiness. It's strange at first, it's surprising, and then it's sweet and warm and it makes you feel all tingly inside. And once you're seduced into it, this whiskey knocks your socks off just like Prince. Nice. That's well said. <laughs> you know what I love about that series, though, that Glenfiddich experimental it's series, good. is that you know everything that they did to produce those whiskeys, whether it be going to different countries and picking barrels or having all the brand ambassadors pick a certain barrel and blend it together. You know, it's all legit. Yes. Um, I go back to something that when we had Paul Haleko from few on mm -hmm. and he said, most of those stories you hear are kind of bullshit. You like, you pull up a spreadsheet and you pick a barrel and you're like, okay, that's the barrel I want. But with Glenn Fittich, that stuff is legit. And in, you could tell in the quality of the whiskey and fire and cane is probably one of the best you know, Glenfiddich's that I've tasted. Definitely. So I totally agree with you. And, and I mean, you know, I had a little bit more intimate knowledge, how the company works and, and, you know, they have no reason to do, um, I don't know, like tricks and, and, you know, just, I don't know, like marketing crapola. They've been around forever. They're not going anywhere. They're in such a great place to be able to have someone like Kinsman on 
to uh, experiment and, and do it in the right way, you know, and really, and you can tell how much he enjoys what he does by what you're tasting. So now here's the controversy. If you read reviews on this bottle from Americans, it's almost always positive. This is really exciting. It's really tasty. Um, and if you read it from people who are into smoky scotches, who are Isla drinkers, you're going to see very bad, poor reviews, which I think is a load of bullshit. It's because what, what did we just say today about the Prince albums? If you want to put, uh, you know, diamonds and pearls against Purple Rain, it's not even fair, I don't think. If you want to, you know, it, you, it's different genres. How you could think, you know, oh, for repeated whiskey, this is garbage. Well, it's not trying to compete with an Isla. It's not trying to compete with a smoke monster. That's one category. This is another category. It is meant to be exactly what it is. And I think it's wonderful if you're new to peated whiskey, if you don't have a palate for those smoke monsters, which I don't at all. I still, on a regular basis, if I talk about scotch, people are like, oh, that's the one whiskey I can't do. I'm like, well, that's probably because all you've been introduced to are these heavy peated scotches. And it's such a big category. There's so much out there that is not, um, you know, just for me, like a dry, wet sock. I don't know, like a gross, yeah. wet sock. <laughs> I was introduced to scotch in the non peated form. And um, therefore I thought, you know, I, I can get into scotch, you know, it's not bad. It's, it's okay. Then someone, um, in, gave me a taste of Lefroy 10 here. <laughs> and I'll, I'll tell you, that was like a shocker. That was definitely not my thing. But, no. uh, again, I don't know. Maybe it's, it's either, it's just me or maybe it's an acquired taste. I don't know. I think it's but, a little uh, bit of both. It's a preference. Yeah. It's something you, I mean, to Lafroy, you have to build up to that, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, but it's also a taste preference. I mean, there's never going to be a moment in time where someone says, you know, keep drinking IPAs and you're going to learn to love them. I won't because it's just not a taste that I care for. There's nothing wrong with that. Great analogy, though. It's just and, yeah. yeah, and I've tried, mm -hmm. and believe me, because they, yep. and I think I've talked about this before, they smell really good. And so if someone's drinking one and says, oh, you want a sip? I will always take the sip because I'm waiting to taste what everyone else is tasting, and it's just not going to happen. And it's not because I don't know beer. I have a palate for beer. I've worked in breweries. I Believe me, I've had enough beer in my life. It's just that I don't care for that particular style of beer, and that's fine. But I'm not going to judge all beer on IPAs that would be absurd and I'm not going to taste an IPA and go oh this sucks because I don't like IPAs I mean and I feel like when I was reading a lot of the reviews that's how this whis whiskey was judged and that's just bullshit yeah and it's um it's funny you say that because they're not like you said before and I'll reiterate it they're not trying to compete with any of the smoky kind of brands uh, they don't need to take drinkers away from that style no. I mean, Glenfiddich, they were, I don't know if they still are, I'd have to check, but they were the, you know, number one selling single malt in the world. Yes. You know, they're not, they're not, they're not fighting for people, <laughs> you know, fine. to come and drink their product. Exactly. <laughs> so, right. They're, yeah. they're totally fine. And exactly. And, yeah. I mean, and Scotch whiskey has been, I mean, these, a lot of these brands we're talking about have been around for hundreds of years and yeah. have existed along with each other. And if, even if you do love peated whiskey, there are times when you don't want to drink that just like we have, you know, on our shelves, 
I've got rye and bourbons and tennis and everything. You want to taste something different. This is not a competition. And I just, I, I'm so disappointed, um, especially in a lot of the whiskey reviewers when they treat bottles like it's a competition, because that's not what it's about. And we know that as all of us who have many bottles on our shelves. So I, my, my PSA here is try it and give it a taste. If you're interested in, in scotch um, and you want to taste that little bit of peat, this is the one for you. I, I feel the same way about the Balvenny, although I think the Balvenny Peat Week is a little bit more peat up front than this is, the Fire and Cane. Um, so I think this is such a great introduction to that category. And maybe you will one day advance to a Lafroy, and that's great. That, that's wonderful. Um, this might be your starting point, or maybe you'll say, well, this is about as much peat as I can take because I just think it's so beautifully blended in there with all the other wonderful flavors you expect from whiskey. Uh, it's a better price point than the peat week too. So, I mean, you're putting out 55 bucks for this probably. Yeah. You know, yeah. peat week's a hundred. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Much, much better price point. Yeah. <laughs> so that is my whiskey pairing and that's what's in my glass. And, um, and oh, it has a beautiful color too. Golden honey. Mm. Nice. Mm -hmm. Cheers. Well done as always. Thank you. Cheers, everybody. Cheers. All right. Are we ready to talk about some music? Let's do it. I know I am. All right. So we are going to start um, talking about, um, I think, Matt, you're starting because I screwed it up. I screwed up the, the thing all the way. Yes. <laughs> and I didn't put I, it back like I was supposed to. <laughs> That's <laughs> all right. good. Roll with it. Okay. We, we've been away for a while, so you we know, have. There's, there's room for, you know, some. Yeah, Matt, you start off. There's, some, there's room for some human err. So some human err. Err. Yes. But as we said at the top of the show, we are battling 1999 versus Purple Rain. So we obviously have to start with the album 1999, which is Prince's fifth studio album. This was released on October 27th. 1982 by Warner Brothers Records. It was Prince's first top 10 album on the Billboard 200, and it actually peaked at number nine. And it was fifth in the Billboard year-end albums of 1983. Um, you know, I was doing a little bit more of a deep dive on this, guys, and I really thought that it would have peaked higher than this. Yeah, same. But there was a certain album that was released about three weeks after this that might have something to do with it, and that album was called Thriller. Yeah. So, yeah, it might have taken some of those listeners away from this great album. It's impressive, though, that against Thriller, it still peaked where it did. Touche. Very true. Very true. That's the, the other the side of that. that released yeah. Pop albums that year. Yeah, that is the album. other side of that. <laughs> um, but Delirious reached number eight on the Billboard Hot 100, while Little Red Corvette peaked at number six, becoming Prince's highest charting U.S. single at the time. International Lover was also nominated for Best Male R&B Vocal Performance at the 26th Grammy Awards. I love that song. That's a, a great song. song. Yeah. Yep. I can't believe Little Red Corvette wasn't number one because I feel like, I mean, I remember it being on the radio nonstop. Oh, I just, yeah. I thought it was a number one at the time. It's so weird to me. I don't know. I'm so, I was so surprised to read that. I just made. I just assumed it was. Edward. Kicking it over to you. Kicking it over to me. So. 
<laughs> it's because it's backwards. Okay. All right. <laughs> you got to go I'm down. With you. <laughs> so Prince and the Revolution, as they were called at the time. No, it's, um, it's, it's 1999. You guys, I screwed up our notes so bad. Okay. 1999. <laughs> you know what? I don't care how long it's been. But when you put the notes out of order, that kind of I'm sorry, I forgot, this, I forgot this. She story. got she got confused because the album's called 1999. No, that's not why. I started writing. No. I don't know what I did. It's all good. Anyway, so 1999 did receive widespread critical acclaim from critics and was seen as Prince's breakthrough album, and indeed it was. Um, on not March 24th, 1999. 1999 was certified quadruple platinum by the RIAA. And this album has also been ranked as one of the greatest albums of all time by several publications and organizations. The music videos for both 1999 and Little Red Corvette received heavy rotation on MTV. I remember that, and it's I can verify time. that. Yes. Yep. Making Prince one of the first black artists, along with Michael Jackson, of course, to be in heavy rotation on MTV. And in 2008, the album was finally inducted into the Grammy Hall of Fame. So I have a question about math. So you're certified quadruple platinum. How much do you have to be to be platinum again? Like what, what kind of numbers are those? A million for platinum. For platinum? It's a mil yeah. So yeah. like 4 million, I guess, to go quadruple platinum. Yeah. So that was in 1999. I mean, everybody was totally waiting for 1999 to play this fucking song all year long. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, how smart, right? Write a song with the, the name of it as yeah. like a Whether or not he was thinking of that at the time, uh, I, I doubt he was. But, it's very uh, smart. Damn. <laughs> um, okay. So keeping in his one of his you know beats, what? too, what? too bad ahead. someone couldn't have written like a disaster song about 2020. A few oh years my ago. god! Yeah. <laughs> yeah, forget what what was it? Two everybody thought Y two K. Yeah, someone go back in a time machine, be a millionaire. Yeah. Um, so keeping in one of his favorite themes, the song "Automatic," which is almost ten minutes long, starts with a bondage-inspired lyrical imagery bouquet. And if you remember in the video, I do remember this. And then I had to go watch it again uh, while I was writing these notes. There was a scene where Prince gets tied up and whipped by Lisa and Jill, his bandmates. It was deemed too sexual for MTV in 1983. Um, by today's standards, it's freaking kitten play. The only thing yeah. that's going to freak you out if you watch the video is Lisa has a cigarette in her hand while she's like undressing him. And I'm, all, I'm every five minutes like, you're going to burn him. She's going to burn. It's too close to his face. <laughs> I mean, the tying up and whipping is so lame, actually. I mean, back then it was like very risque, but okay. it's kind of funny. Um, and this album was inducted into the Grammy Hall of Fame in 2008. Um, okay. So if you don't remember, I'm just going to go through the tracks of each one. Uh, so you had 1999, the song Little Red Corvette, Delirious. Let's pretend we're married. DMSR, automatic, something in the water, free, lady cab driver, all the critics love you in New York, an international lover. So um, I have a little 
bit of Muzak to play for you. There it is. Yeah. It's hard not to karaoke the bus. You know, it's funny that rem I remember at the time when that came out, I was in, uh, must've been in middle school or, uh, that's when it was really popular and everyone's like, you know, that song isn't really about a Corvette. Of course. <laughs> and I love the premise of that song too. It's like, you know, he's like, just like, really? the, it's so it's, it's so eighties. He's like the typical dude with a one night stand. And then all yeah. of a sudden he grows a conscience at the end. Like you have to make something of yourself. Don't well, be like this. Only, yeah. But not only that, he was also freaked <laughs> out. You know, she was yeah. using him for a one night stand and she yeah. was the one that was, uh, like, like when he says she had a pocket full of horses Trojans and some of them used. I was mm. like, oh, maybe so he's, he's the, really the little play, red Corvette, though. The play maybe. got played, though. That's yeah. that's what the song's about. Play got played. Play got played. Yeah, <laughs> um, because he says something like, "How does it go?" Um, when I, I guess I felt a little nervous when I saw the pictures of the jockeys that were there before me. Before me, uh -huh. <laughs> get it, girl. <laughs> All right, so um, next album uh, is Purple Rain, and that's the sixth studio album uh, by Prince, and it was released June 25th, 1984. Um, I stood in line and waited for this record, so I remember this day very, very well. I was in New York, and I was at Peach's record, I think in Times Square. I'm not sure, but I was definitely in a Peach's because that was like the big record store. Um, so the soundtrack, it's a, it's also a soundtrack to, of course, the movie Purple Rain. Um, and, uh, it's the first album where his band, The Revolution is actually billed. So the video for When Doves Cry sparked controversy among <laughs> network executives who thought it's controversial, <laughs> which he would write about next, um, they thought its sexual nature was too explicit for television. And then there was the risque lyrics of Darling Nikki, um, which got Tipper Gore's panties in a bunch. And the video, Tipper Gore. Tipper Gore, that bitch. And the video helped, was one of the many things that contributed to the damn parental advisory stickers. Um, if you don't know what we're talking about, Tipper Gore, yes, the wife of Al Gore, um, was some kind of fucking, uh, I don't know, Puritan or something and got her panties in a bunch and decided that her mission while she was Miss, uh, Miss Gore vice president lady was gonna censorship. So fuck her. Um, she sucks. Censorship is censorship. The end. Um, so yeah, this album and th that song was definitely a part of <laughs> Why we had those damn stickers? Yeah, on that's the real inconvenient truth, man. That, <laughs> that. <laughs> Al think it's stealing it. You were holding on to that the whole time I was saying this. <laughs> that was brilliant. Oh Censorship, God. D. Where are you, D? We need you. 
We need you on the show. Let's talk yeah. about censorship, man. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. Yes, thank uh, you, Dee, for speaking out against censorship. We're so, not yes. going to fake it. Fuck Tipper Gore and fuck the parental advisory stickers and all that shit. <laughs> stupid. So stupid. All right. All right. So, Purple Rain became Prince's first album to reach number one on the Billboard 200. No surprise there, as far as I'm concerned. Same. Album actually spent 24 consecutive weeks at the top of the charts. It was present on the chart for a total of 122 weeks. That's nuts. That's two years and a quarter. That's crazy. Maybe, roughly. That's crazy. When Doves Cry and Let's Go Crazy, which is the opening track, reached number one, the Billboard Hot 100, while Purple Rain peaked at number two. I find that amazing that that was number two. Yeah. And the other two were number one. Maybe yeah. the length of the song had something to do with it. I don't know. Maybe. It's almost nine minutes. Yeah. But, um, a million minutes long. <laughs> and I would die for you, which is the shortest of those songs peaked at number eight. Um, in May, 1996, the album was certified 13 times platinum. That's 13 million copies sold by the RIAA. Its total sales stand at 25 million copies worldwide making it one of the best-selling albums of all time, no doubt. Of all time. All time. So, yeah, Prince and his band, The Revolution, also won tons of awards for this album. Um, they won Grammys for Best Rock Vocal Performance by a Duo or a Group with Vocal and Best Score Soundtrack for Visual Media. And then he also won the Academy Award for Best Original Song for the film, Purple Rain, which Damn, is he won an Academy epic, Award. Epic song. Can, but can um, you imagine, like, on top of Grammys and everything, then he wins an Academy Award. That's nuts. There aren't many who have won Grammys and Academy Awards and Academy in the same Award. year. Exactly. Yes, uh, yeah. it might be one or two other people. Yeah, yeah. that's about it. Yeah, that's yeah. Purple Rain is rightly so regularly ranked amongst the uh, the greatest albums of all times. Yeah in this genre and it was introduced introduced inducted i can talk into the grammy hall of fame and added to the library of congress <laughs> introducted it was yeah. introduced into the <laughs> library i feel like the larry the cable guy here talking. <laughs> library of congress national recording registry list of sound recordings that are culturally historically or aesthetically important as they say oh. i mean <laughs> Yeah, I would say that should, it's definitely culturally and historically important, I believe. Yeah, I, this, that album, that was ubiquitous amongst, you know, all my, you know, friends and, you know, this, this album came out, what was it, 80, June 84, it would have been like in the summer in between my uh, eighth grade and freshman high school. Mm -hmm. And so, but yeah, it's like everybody had this album. Everybody. And it didn't matter what style of music you listen to. And we right. say this a lot about the 80s i think we were blessed to grow up in a time like that and i think the early 90s were like that as well no matter who you were you listened to prince you were a prince fan i mean mm -hmm. it, it crossed you know all the genres um so did you see the album did you buy the album first or did you see the movie first so like, i stood well, in line and wait and also waited got so this album and then it was hard to get into the movie, really hard. It was always sold out. And so finally, I think it had been out for two weeks and we finally managed to get in a matinee because back then you had to wait in line and then find out it was sold out. You couldn't like order ahead. Yeah, gotcha. back then when they didn't card you when you went to an R-rated movie. 
Yes. Oh yeah. Then nobody, <laughs> gave nobody gave a shit. Yeah. Card you. Um, so he, so Prince was asked to explain the meaning of the term, the word per, words, purple rain. And so he says, and quote, when there's blood in the sky, red and blue equals purple. Purple rain pertains to the end of the world and being with the one you love and letting your faith or God guide you through the purple rain. Okay. That's intense. Hmm. Um, and here's a bit of trivia, you guys. What does this song have to do with Stevie Nicks? Stevie so, Nicks. This was actually written as a country song first, and it was supposed to be a collaboration between Prince and Stevie Nicks. Oh, my God. Thank God. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to get there. Thank God it wasn't. That's <laughs> exactly what I said. So according to Nicks, she received a 10-minute instrumental version of the song from Prince with a request to write the lyrics. <laughs> 10 minutes. That's amazing. I mean, I could see how you could swing it to be a country song. Wow. If someone wanted to cover it as a country song, oh, I can yeah. see that. Absolutely. Yeah. So she but, said, uh, yeah. when, it, when she ahead. got it, she said, I listened to it and it just, and I just got scared. She said, I called him back and I said, I can't do it. I wish I could. It's too much for me. It's too big for me. And so I wrote in my notes, well, thank God, Stevie. I mean, I love that lady, but we dodged a fucking bullet there. <laughs> Can you imagine if we never had? Who knows? Rain? You never know. It may have been amazing too. No, no. I don't know how. Are you saying? Well, so, hold on. Whoa! Yeah. You yeah. Wait, 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 wait. Basically, just said you can improve upon, improve upon Purple Rain. No, I'm not saying it would have been better. So you said who also, knows? Also been amazing too. I mean, not maybe not quite as, but you never know. It might have been a decent song. Well, I am not, not a decent song. I want an amazing Purple Rain. I don't want a decent Stevie <laughs> Nicks okay song. Fuck that. I'm not a Stevie Nicks fan at all. Oh, see, I'm oh, a Stevie Nicks fan. That's why. Me too. I'm a huge Stevie Nicks fan. But compared compared to her she, contemporaries, no, I'm sorry. Well, why would you compare I don't think her she's that good. contemporaries? Well, I'm saying that, that I don't she's think of her time. She's very much of a time and place, Stevie Nicks. Oh, okay. She's on one, another one of the best-selling she, rock albums of all time. That's fine, yeah, great band, but she had, incredible. but she she had kind of a shtick that I just I wasn't big on. So no, that's nor, fair. I mean, nor do I think. Yeah, go ahead. No, she is. A, she is Stevie Nicks. Uh, she is a certain. Uh, taste in a certain time and place. Mm -hmm. She's certainly not versatile. She's certainly not like all encompassing. She's very much Stevie Nicks and she's made gold out of being Stevie Nicks. That's why as much as I love her, I would not have wanted her to do this instead of him. Yeah, I all. think her lack of versatility is what yeah. kind of turns Yeah, it kind of already, exactly. Yeah. I, it, and yeah. I'm right there with you. I, uh, sure. some, some, it could have been other artists and I would have said that, okay, but still, mm -mm, no. Sorry. Um, let's talk about the tracks real quick on this one. So you have Let's Go Crazy, Take Me With You, The Beautiful Ones, Computer Blue, Darling Nikki, When Doves Cry, I Would Die For You, Baby I'm a Star, and Purple Rain. And I'm going to play a little song, one of my favorites. <laughs> New old girl named Nikki, I guess you could say she was a sex fiend. I met her in a 
And um, another album I had to hide from my mother, by the way. All the middle school boys were. I can see why. Getting a little excited. <laughs> yeah, if she would have heard the lyrics, I would have been. That would have been the end of it. It would have been in the garbage can. But she didn't. I don't know. I don't know what she thought of it. <laughs> Depended on if she took the time to look through it or not. Dodged a bullet with that one. All right, boys. Uh, so we have to make a choice here. So, you know, we, we've done briefly gone over these albums. We all have our own, at this point, long time experiences with these songs. We have to choose one or the other. So sh let's start with the merits of 1999, shall we? Standout songs, favorite songs. Well, from my perspective, um, 1999 revolves around two tracks, and I'm pretty sure you might be able to guess what they are. Um, 1999 and Little Red Corvette, tracks one and two respectively. And although you know there there is some merit to the rest of the album, for me it could end right there, and I would be happy. Um, because I guess maybe that goes back to the time where that's pretty much all I knew of Prince when mm -hmm. this album was out. So I literally did not listen to any other of those songs until just recently on that album. So, yeah, in fact, when Purple Rain came out, I didn't really recognize Prince for what he was at the time. It's like, oh, that's the guy who sang 1999 and Little Red Corvette. You know, so you didn't have the album 1999 as well. Oh, no. Say. Okay, no. gotcha. I mean, I heard them played on the radio and everywhere you go in, in the mall or in the roller skating rink or wherever it was at the time, you know, we used to go. <laughs> <laughs> the roller rink. That was, roller skating that was rink. like one of the top. Don't make fun of it because that was making fun of it. No. legit. Every single kid in America yeah. went to the roller rink and that is where you would discover music often. Oh, yeah. They had yep. physical DJs, exactly. and the DJs were could, were like club DJs. They could play whatever they wanted. Mm -hmm. Of course, they would play all the top ten hits and what was popular with the kids. But I got turned on to a lot of music at the skating rink because it was either radio or in the car, I guess, or mm -hmm. it was that yeah. basically radio at home. Yeah. Or in the, I had a radio little yeah. Yeah. bedroom. Yeah, yeah. 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 my bedroom. And then what you could get, and then you had to watch MTV once that came out. Yeah, yeah. And then you were definitely introduced to new music there. Um, and then, yeah, that was that was it. Until you were old enough to go to clubs, uh, your chances of being turned on to new music. Well, if, there were the magazines too. Like we we were magazine kids, so I subscribed to all the like uh, Hit Parader and Circus and um, Tiger Beat. Remember Tiger Beat, Ed? <laughs> Oh my gosh, Tiger Beat. Yeah, with uh, like Leaf Garrett on the cover and Sean Cassidy. And... We're not that old. Well, we kind of are. Yes, he was. Yes. Oh my God. Leaf, you do a Leaf Garrett then and now, you will think that he had a sex change. I mean, he doesn't look anything. He was an absolute heartthrob. And Leaf I had Garrett. that issue of him on the cover. I totally did. Um, oh, man. Anyway. 
I, I'm just thinking back to listening to this album, and to me, it. I remember one thing that stood out to me. It kind of seemed like this was almost like a um, a manifesto in a way, with these um, for Prince and the way he he um, kind of viewed life and and everything. Um, I can't remember if it was one particular song or or just the collection, but yeah, definitely that was one thought I remember having. Hmm. So well said. And actually that word manifesto for some, someone who I guess is viewed, at least I viewed him, you know, without doing the deep dive, being someone who's younger than you guys who didn't live through these great albums being released. He seems like such a complicated man on the surface, the, the Prince aura, if you will. And then you get to the music and, you know, to some people it might seem like simple pop music, but then you get down into the layers of the stuff that he was actually writing about and singing about. Mm -hmm. And this album is one of those things. I mean, you have, you know, 1999 it sounds like a party song, but he's talking about nuclear. What, what is it? Yeah. Nuclear war or something it's about. Yeah. He thinks, the world, like, he thinks like, we're headed towards world destruction. Yeah. I mean, that's it's it on the surface doesn't seem like that, but you know, you get to interviews with him and what he was experiencing at the time and what was going on in the world at the time. And it makes a lot more sense. Um, and manifesto is a great word Ed, for that, because I feel I've had the same feelings about this album also. Um, and even little red Corvette, you know, if you couldn't read a little bit deeper into that, you might have missed, you know, what he was actually talking about. Uh, but this album, it is one of those albums that just puts a stamp in time on a certain style of music. And, I don't think Prince, it could be argued that Prince, what we think of as Prince or what younger people now think of as Prince was maybe stamped with Purple Rain, but a lot of people would say it was stamped with this album. This mm -hmm. album was the, was the influential album, and it came out at a time that was an influential time for music. And I said Thriller came out a few weeks after this, but if you look around the time this album was released, there wasn't really a lot of stuff going on as far as music goes. So I could see how this would kind of burn up the radio and burn up the charts, but great album, great hits delirious. Oh, delirious is such yeah. a good song. And I said before international lover is a freaking mm -hmm. amazing song. I love that song. Amazing and song. Lady and I Cab love Driver. Lady yep. Cab Driver was such an, I felt like it was such a, I remember getting to that song on the album and it's just funk, you know, it's just, it was yeah. so different than 1999 and little red Corvette. And I just thought it's such a great song. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm such a sucker for a great sleeper song that finishes an album, like, mm -hmm. the, end, like the last track. Um, and I'm sure if I did, if I really sat down and thought about other albums from other artists we've covered, I'm sure we've seen that many times before, but that's just another example of that. Just closing out an album with a fantastic track. Great stuff. I agree with you guys about, I mean, I had this album. I, I listened to it from back to front all the time. I was obsessed with Little Red Corvette in specific. I just, I absolutely loved that song. And um, inter, yeah, International Lovers, all the songs we mentioned, just obsessed with. It was such a, it was such an eye-opening. He was a very eye-opening artist. I think anytime you came to him, you know, whether you're, much younger than me and you discovered him 
you're kind of discovering him in a very similar way. And he was such an enigma. And I can, I can remember watching him and trying to figure out what I thought about him and felt about him. I mean, he was wearing high heels and he had, you know, uh, he would, he wouldn't have a shirt on with his jacket and he was very androgynous and he, he made you, he made me think of, I don't know. He made me thoughtful and made me, um, question how I felt about his persona or someone like him, but you could tell he was so, he was so many things. Um, and as a young teenage girl or, you know, before even a teenager, I was just, I was mesmerized by him and he exuded sexuality too, which is very interesting for teenagers and will either freak you out or you'll become interested. And I was just like, Oh, why is he making me feel all these things? <laughs> Because I think so, so funny everything of his. Because I, I think there is a taboo nature around him like oh, that. Yeah. Like, yes. when, when you have oh, feelings absolutely. like that, yeah, like uh, you know, he's not the prototypical person that I should be looking at as a sex symbol during this time. But mm -hmm. he exuded that, and he kind of, like I said, mesmerizing is a great word for him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah I was I mean, all the parents were freaked out. Yeah, I mean, you, I mean, you had, this was, I mean, a little bit before Top Gun, but, you know, it was Top Gun and Karate Kid, and these were, these were the type of men you were supposed to be interested in, you know? Oh, yeah, the outsiders, like Swayze. and Yeah, like exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. you did have, you know, the Duran Durans and, you know, all of that, but uh, I don't know, Pr it, Prince wasn't Boy George, but he also wasn't Duran Duran, and you knew that somehow he walked a line in between both you know is he feminine is he masculine is he gay is he straight i mean all that shit matters when you're a kid and you're learning about yourself in the world and and trying to understand your own proclivities maybe your own sexuality your own identity and i think i don't know i, I think much like people who grew up with lady gaga she I feel like people like that give you permission. And we talked about this a bit with Bowie is when you are learning about your own identity and becoming a person, you know, with your own, all that comes with that. I think it's wonderful to have artists like that, that make you question everything. You know, I, I don't know if you're a man or a woman, but I like you. And I don't know in which way I like you. I don't know if I'm attracted to you or if I just like you. I think that's so awesome to be able to explore that through art, through music, and you learn so much more about yourself rather than growing up with all of your heroes are pretty much fucking white toast, you know, and, and just a straight line. And, and what there's, how do you figure out who the fuck you are, you know, up against that? I think when you see a boy George and you see a Cindy Lauper and you see Prince and Bowie and you're, and even Michael Jackson for, yeah. you know, with all, all the controversy about him aside, you still, none of these people were the stereotypical, what they were supposed to be. You know, I, I agree with you about the looks, but one thing Prince had that all those other guys you mentioned had, he had the swagger. Oh yeah. You gotta admit, he oh, had the swagger. Of course he had swagger in spades. He had swagger oh, yeah. even when he wasn't swaying. He had swagger when he sat on a fucking couch. He didn't even have to say anything. He had swagger. That's what was so mesmerizing about yeah. him is that he did. It was like here he was, and you could tell he was a little guy dancing around his heels, and somehow it was fucking manly. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it just he he broke all those rules, and you could tell he was getting all the chicks, and you know the chicks loved it, and uh, yeah. So I don't know. That's I, I feel like this album really set that stage, in my opinion, for that part of his persona and and kind of like you said, manifesto. That's a great. Well, he was he was commanding. He commanded attention. He yeah. mm-hmm. with his performances and everything. So he yes. had that sort of just you know the power. I the saw him Mercury live. Yes. I saw him live a couple of times, and he commanded the stage like nothing I'd ever experienced before. And the first time I saw him was at a concert that had speaking of Fleetwood Mac was there, Metallica was there. Blues Travelers, Fiona Apple. Um, God, I don't even know. Oh my who gosh, else. what a mix! Fiona it, it, Apple. It was. It was. It's, oh. it's this. Um, the Bridges, Bridges, or something like that. It's a, it's a fundraiser concert. I was okay. working it, and um, I just he start and I and I'm, maybe I've talked about this. I don't know. It's been ten years since we recorded, but he before he came out on stage, there was an all black marching band that came out, like a school marching band, but it was unlike anything I had ever seen in my life. And I just remember like, and here's all these people there to see Fleetwood Mac and blues traveler. Right. And within about, I don't know, two minutes of this band being on stage. Cause at first I'm like, what the fuck are people going to think of this? What's going on? Everybody was off their feet. It was on a big lawn. Everybody was just, I mean, and then here he comes little tiny guy and just somehow the band faded away and he was just there and he was just huge and massive his persona was so large. I've never seen anything like it. It was incredible. So, all right. That's 1999. Anything else to say about this one before we move on? You said nope. Fiona Apple. I kind of want to talk about her now. <laughs> Just saying. That one hit wonder. You know. Was she one? I think she had more than one hit. She, she had, had one really album. big hit. One yeah. album wonder. She's yeah. a little cuckoo, I think. Yeah, but she was like, I remember you you guys speaking of being teenagers, like when songs came out and stuff. Like, I remember when I was like 13 or 14 and she had her one big hit all over MTV. And uh, yeah. Shadow boxing. Wasn't that it? No, oh, the crim- what? Cr- criminal. She's the one yeah. who oh, was criminal. like the very beefy yeah. looking would yes. like roll around on the floor or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. Yes. Just uh, okay. There was a lot of that. Yeah, I was trying to place her. There was a lot of that in the late nineties. Yes. Yeah. Or whatever her name was. There yeah. Natalie Brulier, Meredith Brooks, have a sandwich, or anybody like please. that. <laughs> have a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they were eating just fine from those one hits they had. Okay. Yes. I hope so. Um, <laughs> Moving on, <laughs> let's talk about Purple Rain, shall we? All right. Um, who wants to start off with this one? And Matt. <laughs> <laughs> Fine, I'll do it since I started. Go. Start again. Yeah. So, Purple Rain. Um, this album landed with an impact that I still feel tremors from today. Um, the movie now at the time, 
unlike Sailor, I was a good boy. I didn't sneak into R-rated movies, so I didn't see the. Uh, <laughs> never saw the movie until much good later boy. in life. Come on, you definitely at least one. Come on. No. Oh, None? once oh, ever. Once we did go in to see. Uh, was it uh, Rambo: First Blood Part Two? Oh, you'll go in for <laughs> Rambo, but not Purple Rain. I see. Oh, how come on! Is. I was a teenage boy. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, but oh, uh, I love the album though. Um, well, you miss seeing Apollonia's naked butt. So see, <laughs> ha ha ha! There you go. There you go. Jokes on me. <laughs> um, so th this album. Uh, from front to back is so so good um I, i'm just trying to think where to start there's so many hits on this song let's go crazy take me with you um darling nikki the more infamous one when does cry i would die for you per i mean there's only two or three songs on here that aren't wouldn't be considered hits and i still think they're decent songs good songs that i would listen to um yeah for the time it was definitely one of the one of the greatest rock albums to come out of that era for sure um you know and i feel like i was a little hard going looking back i feel like i was a little harsh on 1999 because i did agree with a lot of what you guys were saying um and i think i did sh short that album a little bit so to speak but when I compare it to this album, to me, there isn't really much of a comparison. Um, so that's about pretty much all I have to say about this. Um, so, yeah, so I definitely am leaning towards <laughs> Purple Rain. No kidding. <laughs> Shocker. And again, one the last thing I'll say, probably one, one of the all-time greatest songs to close out an album purple rain at the end of this yeah. is just yeah i mean that's the closer of all closers that's all i'm gonna say i agree matt i think it is the greatest song ever to close out an album i will say that but when you're talking great pieces of music and i'm not talking about like songs from you know modern music eras i'm talking about great pieces of music so i'm talking like beethoven and tchaikovsky shit like that all that stuff included when you talk about great pieces of music purple rain the song is in that group i'm putting it in that group for sure yeah so if, if you're talking about the if you're talking about mm -hmm. i'll say 50 if you're talking about the 50 greatest pieces of music ever written mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. purple rain is in that group mm -hmm. And I'm I'm going back, you know, centuries here. Um, so that alone puts this album above most. But then you have the other compositions on this album, and like Ed said, it's such a complete album from front to back. And then when you could put Purple Rain at the end, and just completely, he's already taken you for a ride for eight songs here, and then you put Purple Rain on the ninth track for nine minutes, you're, you're, you're ascending to heaven. Like, I don't I, like, there's no other like demonstrative word I can use for that. Like that is the ultimate. There's no letdown. It's just, he's ascend. He's lifting you up at the end of the album. 
They had to be at the that end because there's no way you could follow it. had that. to be at the end. No, You're right. No, no. If it, it, you know, it would be great if it was number one on the album, but it would not be the same mm-hmm. if no. it wasn't the last album, yeah. the last song on the album. But, um, you know, as, as far as albums go in the last 30, 35 years, um, well, this would be 30, shit, 36 years. All right, last 40 years. <laughs> um, <laughs> Jesus. It, it, it's one of the, yeah, for real, right? No. Um, 40. No. Well, it's 84. I'm 36 years old. So in the last yeah. 40 years. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. We lost Sailor for the rest of the show. I got to go, guys. <laughs> I got to grow up. When you also, about, damn, I was little when I was. Oh. When you talk about cl- complete albums in the last 40 years, this is, you know, I put it up there with anything. Name something. It's it's up there. So, thriller. I, I go. Back, I got to go back to thriller because thriller is a complete album from front to back. Yeah, it really yeah, yeah. is. Um, yeah, and and I'm just thinking. I'm, I'm just thinking of something that's contemporary. Um, I'm well, not a big. Bru- um, I'm not a big Bruce. Uh, I'm not a big Bruce fan. Born in the USA to some is a very complete album from front to back. It came out in the same year, but I can't. I hate Bruce. Yeah, but but there's some artists that have done like the album is one complete thing. Complete thing, yeah. Thriller, Dark Side, very good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so like like I would put in that category, Dark Side, Thriller, it's it's there with that, definitely. I agree. I agree. Um I think what what this comes down to for me is I I probably I love just as many songs on 1999 as I do on this album. But I think what it comes down to is purple. Like you said, purple rain is one of the most stunning things ever written in the history of music. It is a fucking masterpiece. I really believe it will be looked upon as like Beethoven's fifth, you know, 200 years from now. I believe that because no joke, you're real. For real. Truly, I mean, and people yeah. have musicians have said this, and this has been stated a lot. If you strip everything away as a composition, it is an incredible composition. I mean, he was a composer first, period, and that's why he was able to write such incredible songs for other artists as well. He was just a composer of all different styles and all different. Um, things so i yeah the world can't be without purple rain i can't be without purple rain um i think that what he did with 1999 he just shot the moon with purple rain and so that's it for me it's there's just there's no way anything could ever ever stand up against purple rain in my opinion that's it so all right, and I think we have our winner. <laughs> I think we're in agreement. No battle. We need to stop doing these artists because we haven't had a battle in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> no fist fights and no. uh, disagreements here. No, I know. We got to do something that Matt hates. What was the one he got really mad at us with? Oh, calling Def Leppard heavy metal. Oh, definitely. That, that got you so well, mad. Yeah. A journey, too. <laughs> That's what- one of my yeah. favorite episodes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the uh, Death Leopard and Journey. Yeah. The Poop Sunday. <laughs> the, the, 
Diarrhea Sunday. Diarrhea Sunday. Oh, so oh my god. Oh, oh my god. That's the closest I think I've ever seen you two coming to blows. <laughs> I think that yeah, because usually we would agree. Yeah. Jake and I would go for each other's throats. Oh my gosh, that was. Yeah. I, didn't have, I didn't have too many nice things to say about Queensrÿche either, and I know Queensrÿche is. But it wasn't anywhere close to Journey or anything. No, no, no you literally shit so hard on that. I was like, yeah. how the fuck can you shit so hard on this song? Like, just because you don't like it, you can't say it's a bad song. It's a beautifully written song. It's got beautiful lyrics. I mean, everything about it is is amazing. But anyway, listeners, go back and, and listen to the episode <laughs> if you're curious to hear. All right, before we, before we go... I love this effect. I know it's so awesome. I didn't cut that one very well. Sorry. Oh God, I can't play Purple Rain. I still have a hard time listening to it without getting upset. So that's why we didn't close out with Purple Rain. Sorry, everybody. But you can play it yourself. You know what it sounds like. Come on. That's it for me. Yeah. I'm done. Matt, get us out of here. All right. I haven't done this in a while, so stick with me. Okay. So... (laughs) Thanks for sticking around, listeners. We hope you enjoyed that discussion as much as we did, as much as we always do. Again, we do this for you every time we do this. Hope you enjoy it. You can find us, as always, on Instagram and Twitter at Metal Rock Whiskey. And we always have a super cool Facebook group. Super cool. It's still there. It's still there. So check it out (laughs) under Spirit of Rock Podcast Network. All of our shows will post there. So please. Check it out, please. And follow us individually. You can find me at the Whiskey Obsessor, as you can see right there on your screen. That is Whiskey Save the E, as you can see. Sailor. Or if you're listening to it, you can't see. Yes. <laughs> you can but find I would me. hope that you listen to more than one show so you know <laughs> that it's Whiskey Obsessor Save the E. Save the E. I think everybody knows to save the E by now. Yes. I'm Sailor. You can find me all over the place. Uh, as Sailor Retro, and um, you can also go to Spirit of Rock Pods and find a whole bunch of new shows, you guys. Um, we have, we just added a new show, and now I'm not, I can't remember the name of it. Sorry, Kitty. I'll be better prepared <laughs> next time. It's been a while, <laughs> but it's but the, ne- the network is growing. So. We're amazing. Yes, the network is yes. growing. Um, so the girls haven't done anything in a while. COVID, um, has been really rough on Miss Kayla. And then of course, Jenny was pregnant and having a baby and, you know, that's kind of time consuming. Um, and, but you still have wrestling with respect. Uh, Matt's holding down the fort on that. And then we have, um, drinking like ladies. And then the new podcast, um, is Kitty from drinking like ladies and a wine sommelier. It's so cool. Why can't I remember the fucking name of it? Sorry. Anyway, check them out. 
<laughs> Let's not forget the Unstoppable Barack podcast by our friends at uh, Absolutely. Yes. Our all right. friends who are now holed up in Maine who provide our lovely show music. That's right. And they can always find me right here. There. If you see it on the screen. <laughs> at Bourbon Geek on Instagram. And um, hey, listeners. If you love us or heck, even we'll take a like, even if you just like us, uh, please, we ask you hit that subscribe button and give us a review. It really does matter to us and it helps us in the rankings. And please tune in next week or the week after that, whenever it may be for another episode of Metal Rock and Whiskey. And I'm going to do my outro a little different today. I'm going to retire. Fuck you, Lars. And I'm going to say, fuck racism. I'll drink to that. Yes. Hey, this is Sailor, and you're listening to a Spirit of Rock Podcast Network show. Find this show and many others at spiritofrockpods.com.